Good morning. My name is Ryan, and I'm one of the pastors uh, here on staff with Spring Lake Church. I'm actually the pastor over student ministry, so I get the blessing of working with teenagers most of the time, so I will uh, try not to talk to all of you like you're teenagers, although you probably have the attention span. Anyway, uh, I want to start this morning uh, by actually having you turn to your neighbor, do something fun. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them, or, you know, if you don't have a neighbor near you, just you talk to yourself. People won't think you're weird, because I told you to. Tell the person next to you, uh, what is some good news that you've received in the last year? So think for a second, what is good news that you have received in the last year? Go, tell the person next to you. Good news. smiles. That's good. So we have some good news. How many of you received some sort of good news in the last year or so? Okay, there you go. That's good. That's good. If we went around the room, it'd be fun to hear all the things that you are excited about. Uh, we had some good news in uh, October. We had our second child. We had a little girl uh, named Eden, and it was uh, it was good news that we had a little girl because we already have one, and it was exciting to think that she's going to have a, a little sister. So we wanted to tell everybody. We would call our friends. We call our family, right? We we told people. I mean, I'm I'm kind of an outgoing person, so I'm in like the checkout, you know, at the the automatic checkout, boop, at Walmart, and the person's like, "Hey, is everything okay?" And I go, oh, "We just had a baby." Like I'm, you know, I'm telling them I'm really excited because I'm buying diapers and those sorts of things, you know. So uh, when when we have good news. The tendency is to share it with people, right? How many of you shared your good news with somebody that you received in the last year? You shared it with someone not in this room. That doesn't count. Okay, yeah. When we have good news, when we receive good news, our knee-jerk reaction is to share it with others because you're excited about it and you want to, you want to share your joy with other people. You want to share the good news. And, and that is true of just good news that's happening generally in our life. Um, but it's also true of the good news. As Christians, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, we talk a lot about the good news. Sometimes we use this churchy word, gospel, just means good news. And we believe that we have good news. And when we have good news, we want to share it. We want to share it with other people, which is why we're doing this series connected uh, to this idea of sharing. It's just called Share Simple. And over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about sharing our faith, sharing the good news with other people. And uh, just to, to clue you in how this is going to work, the preachers are going to flip-flop from week to week. So I'm here this week, and next week I'm at the Bellevue campus. So for the next four weeks, we want you to hunker down, pick a site, and be there. Otherwise, you'll have to listen to me two times in a row, okay? You don't want to do that. Uh, we did this a couple other times, and people are like, wait a second, this sounds familiar. It sounds like a sermon I heard last week, <laughs> okay? So, uh, so stick downtown, and now that you're here, you're locked in. Uh, and for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about sharing our faith. Um, the, the churchy kind of word for sharing your faith is evangelism. Uh, evangelism. Now, uh, what that means is it comes from a, the Greek word euangelion, uh, euangelion, which means good news. And so what evangelism really is, is just good newsing. <laughs> it's sharing good news with people. Now, the term evangelism gets all sorts of negative connotations. You might imagine the guy standing on the street corner with a big sign or a bullhorn or the Mormons coming to your door, going door to door or something like that. You might have some associations when it comes to evangelism. So we're, we're, we're not going to use that word a ton. We're going to be talking about sharing our faith. And, and it really is um, an important part of being a follower of Jesus. If you're wondering why would we dedicate four weeks, like four valuable, precious weeks of sermon time to sharing your faith, it's because we believe it is super important. 
it is. So let me just kind of unpack why we're doing this series, and then we'll kind of launch into today's topic. Um, first of all, Jesus commanded all of his disciples to do this, to go out and share our faith. Uh, he was resurrected from the dead. He ascended to the Father's right hand, but before he left, he gave this commission. We call it the Great Commission to his disciples. He said, go, therefore, and make disciples. That means followers of him, right, learners of Jesus. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So this is a, a command to the first disciple, but it applies to us, too, who are followers of Jesus. This is our commission from Jesus, to go and make disciples by sharing the good news. Um, as our church, uh, at Spring Lake, we have a mission statement. You've probably heard it enough times, but I'll remind you. It's loving God, uh, maturing in his character, and what's the third one? Reaching the world. Reaching the world. So this is core to who we are. We believe in reaching the world with the good news about Jesus. It is a part of our profile of a growing disciple when we say, what kind of human beings do we want to be formed into? Part of that is people who are reaching the world, who are sharing their faith. So that's one reason. The second reason is that good newsing, sharing our faith, is the primary way that God saves people. Did you know that? I mean, God can use dreams, he can use visions, that's totally fine. But the primary way that God saves human beings and transforms them is through people, through other people. In Romans 10, you don't have to turn there, but in Romans 10, Paul says this. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen? Amen. That's good news. Then he says, how can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So this is the primary way that God rescues people from their sin is through us sharing the good news. Can I tell you something? You right here are Spring Lake Church's growth strategy. You are our evangelism strategy. You notice, you probably notice this, Spring Lake does not bring in big evangelists. We don't hold huge rallies where we say, invite your friends. We're going to have altar calls and people are going to come to know Jesus. The reason why is because we believe every single member of our church Every single disciple of Jesus is called to share their faith. You are our growth strategy. And if I may be so bold to say, you are Jesus's growth strategy. You are the way that God intends to save people. That's a huge honor. That's amazing. So that's why we want to focus on this. And, and the fact of the matter is that most of us don't do this naturally. We're terrified of it. We, we don't share our faith. We tend to keep it to ourselves. In fact, there was a study done of people my age, millennials, uh, that said that 47% of us, it's almost 50%, you're not good at math, almost half of millennials say that it is wrong to share your faith. It's like, oh man, what's going on there? It's not natural for most of us. So we want to show that this really is a biblical idea, and, and, and this is not meant to be, these four weeks are not meant to be a guilt trip. You're not meant to leave here being like, oh man, Pastor Ryan said I need to go out and do this. I feel so bad about myself. I'm failing as a Christian. No, no, no. Our assumption and the posture that we're going to take is, we're assuming that you love Jesus and that you want to share your faith. That's our assumption coming in. But we want to help. We want to help our church grow in sharing our faith. It's not meant to be a guilt trip. We're also looking to shift our paradigm a little bit. What I mean is change the way that we think about sharing our faith. 
because some of us grew up with certain ideas of what evangelism is and, and what it isn't, what sharing your faith is and what it isn't, and you might think, oh, you got to have a Bible degree to do that, or you got to be a fast-talking person with a microphone to do that, or you got to have a bullhorn to do that, or a certain gospel tract to do that. And we want to say, no, 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 this is, this is a normal part of being a Christian. This is a normal part of being a follower of Jesus. I want to show you how to do that and do it together, because those of us on staff, we're trying to grow as disciples of Jesus as well in this, and we're not always succeeding. If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, like you're still checking out Christianity, you're probably thinking like, huh, this doesn't seem like it's for me. <laughs> and I just want to say this. If, if you're still checking out Jesus, what I want you to hear is our heart for people who don't yet know Jesus. The people in this room who are following Jesus, we have been profoundly changed by Jesus. He's made such a huge difference in our lives, and we know his love, and we want to share his love with others. We don't want to treat people like projects or souls to be saved, and we're going to talk about that more in the series. We want to genuinely love our neighbors, genuinely love people who don't know Jesus. We believe the best thing for you, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, is for you to do that. And we, we want to love you and care for you in that way. So we want to get better at this as a church. So we're going to be talking about, again, sharing our faith over the next four weeks. I'm going to pray and ask the Spirit to speak through me, and I'm just going to ask that you bow your heads, and we'll do that together. Father, I pray now, even as I can sense there might be resistance to this idea, I pray that you tear down walls. I pray that you give me the words to speak clearly and you protect us from lies that would discourage us. I pray that you encourage us and fill us by your Holy Spirit to be your ambassadors, to be those who share the good news with others. We ask in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. So I can look back through my childhood and track who my friends are. These different like seasons of life. When I was really, when I was kindergarten, it was, uh, it was my cousins because we spent a lot of time together with our family. We lived really close to our family. And then it was Ryan Rochek, but then he moved away. And then Clayton O'Neill in second grade and Robin Dostal and, um, and, and Josiah Harvest. So these guys who were in my classes in elementary school. And kind of with every grade, I don't know if you did this, but with every grade in elementary school, I kind of developed new friends because I had different classes with people and spent time with different groups of people. So my friends kind of changed. And then I got into middle school and there was a little bit more flexibility. I joined the music programs and my friends really became like the music people, uh, the drama folks, the band folks, and then I was on the soccer team, and so my friends were the people on the soccer team. Those were my bros. Those were my, those were my guys, and, and then I get into college, and I started playing ultimate frisbee, God's gift to mankind, and, uh, and my best friends, my, my greatest friends uh, became my ultimate frisbee friends. Like, they were my, my brothers in Christ. Some of them were followers of Jesus, and we, you know, we shed blood, sweat, and kidneys together uh, playing ultimate frisbee. That's a long story, and, uh, and so we those were my friends, the people I spent time with. And, and that changed when I went to school in Chicago, became friends with different people. The truth is that uh, proximity, who we're close to, who we spend time with, is a huge factor in uh, who we are friends with. The people that we spend time with, whether it's coworkers or classmates or band, band uh, partners or teammates, people that we spend a lot of time with tend to become our friends. It's true in my life. And social science bears that out. They say uh, that proximity more than affinity, meaning more than common interest, is the greatest predictor of who your friends will be, the people you spend time with. Now, let me ask you this. When you had your good news, we were talking about earlier, you're thinking about the good news that you shared, who did you share it with? 
someone throw out? Who, who did you share with? Mom, did I hear? Yeah? Family? Who else? Roommates? Coworkers? What was that? Friends. Yeah, people we're spending time with. Our friends. We share with people close to us. Isn't it true? Now, let's be honest. Facebook has kind of ruined this because some of us feel like everybody in the universe needs to know our good news, so we just post it on Facebook. That's fine. Uh, we can talk about that in another sermon series. Uh, but typically, we share with people close to us. We share good news with the people that are close to us, and that is true of regular old good news in our lives, but it's also true of the good news about Jesus. It's also true of the good news about Jesus. So this morning we titled this series, Proximity Matters, and I, and I really want to make this case that when it comes to sharing our faith, proximity does matter. You, we need to be close to people, and uh, this is the, the kind of the big idea, is that sharing happens up close and personal. That sharing happens up close and personal. And we know that's true in our own lives, like we just share with people that we're close to, but it's true also when we're sharing our faith. So let me just kind of walk you through how I'm thinking about this. You've got blanks in your outline, or if you're following along on the YouVersion app, it should be in there. Uh, the first thing is that we have good news. We have good news as Christians. And, and I already started with this, but just to remind you of the good news, because you should never get sick of hearing the good news. The good news is that although you and I are messed up broken people. We choose to go our own way. We, the Bible calls it sin. We do not live up to the ideal standard that God has for us, and we rebel against him and say, I want to go my own way, even though we're rebels against God, the God who made us, and we deserve to be separated from him for eternity. God loved us so much. God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus Christ, the, who is God and man, to live a perfect life, the life that I should have lived, the life that you should have lived. He died the death that I deserve to live. I deserve to die in my place, in your place, so that if we trust in him, if we give our lives to Jesus, if we say you're in charge and I'm not, I need you to forgive me, I need you to come into my life and transform me from the inside out. If we do that, we will have life in abundance now and life for eternity with Jesus. That's the good news, amen? Amen. So that's good news. We have good news. We talked about that. The second point on there is we share it with those close to us. We share good news with people who are close to us. We said that's true in our own lives. We share good news when you have a baby or you got a new job or you got a brand new car or whatever it is. You share that with people close to us. We share that. And so the third one is this. We need to be close to those who need the good news. If we have good news and we share it with people close to us, then we need to be close to those who need good news. We need to be close to those who need good news. Proximity matters and sharing happens up close and personal now you might be saying okay that i guess that makes sense ryan but is that really is that really biblical uh is that like come from the bible this idea because I, I remember like in the 50s you got billy graham he's doing these big crusades he's inviting thousands and thousands of people to these stadiums and people coming forward in the droves and he didn't know any of them he's just like standing out there and preaching and that seemed to that seemed to work you know or Maybe you went to college and you experienced uh, a campus ministry who taught you how to go out and share your faith with random strangers. You took a gospel tract with you and you went door to door and you started conversations. You got in the practice of sharing Jesus with people you didn't know. Or maybe you've seen people standing on the street corner and, and proclaiming the good news about Jesus and you think, that, that's evangelism. And first of all, I don't want to knock Billy Graham by any means. And, uh, and I do, uh, we take our students to the mall and do what we call initiative evangelism with strangers. So that's, that's good and fine. 
Those things are, are okay. But the majority of the time that we share with people, it's going to be up close and personal. And I want to show you that this does come from the Bible. So if you have a Bible, you can grab the book of Matthew. Um, it's, I think it's going to be up on the screens as well. Chapter 5 of Matthew. Matthew is a, a gospel, which means it's one of the biographies about Jesus. And chapter 5 is recording uh, teaching that Jesus gave um, to his disciples, what kinds of people he wants uh, his disciples to be uh, followers of him. So Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 14, says this. It says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So this is what Jesus has called his disciples to be, to be salt and light, meaning we're supposed to make a, a difference in the world, we're supposed to be a preserving agent, but we're also supposed to be a light in a dark world, shining the good news and shining the light of God. He says we're supposed to let our light shine before others that they may see our good deeds. And I would also include in there sharing the good news because that's what Jesus did. He went about proclaiming the kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom, and doing the works of the kingdom. Here's the thing. People cannot see your light if you don't spend time with them. Sometimes we get this idea that, oh, if I just like live my life on my own, by myself, with my family, and I don't drink too much, and I, I adhere to what the Bible says about sex, and I adhere to all these kind of rules, and I just kind of keep to myself that people will see my good deeds and glorify God. But how will people, how will people see your life if we aren't spending time with people who need Jesus? It, it doesn't really work. It doesn't really work. Sharing happens up close and personal. We have to be with people in order for them to see our lives. Let's look at another passage. Chapter, oh sorry, the book of Luke. So if you flip one book over to your right, Matthew, Mark, you'll hit Mark. You've got to go one more to Luke. Luke, again, another biography recording Jesus' words and actions, his teachings. In Luke chapter 10, uh, Luke records Jesus as being questioned by an expert in the Torah, an expert in the law. And he's asking Jesus, what sorts of behaviors will mark the people of God that will inherit the age to come? So what, what sorts of things do I need to do to make sure that I'm one of the people who will inherit the age to come? This is starting in verse 25. On an occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. He said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? And the man answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. So this guy is quoting from two different places in the Old Testament, which is written in Hebrew, and he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, that's it. Those kinds of behaviors will mark people who belong to the kingdom of God. Now, the word neighbor there in Hebrew is rea, and it means neighbor, but also uh, close companion can be translated friend. So these are people who are um, nearby, who live next to you. That's what neighbor means. They're close by, in close association with you. And Jesus is saying, it's, it's your neighbors. You're supposed to love your neighbors. You've, you got it right. Now, the man tries to justify himself because he's not currently loving his neighbor, so he asks a question in verse 29. But... He wanted to justify himself, and so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? 
Now we're going to go on, if we would go on into the passage, we're kind of, we're going to see that this guy wants to exclude people of a different ethnicity. Like, so if those close to me are Samaritans, like if they're, if they're outside of uh, the people of God, if they're outside of Israel, are, those aren't my neighbor. Like he wants to define neighbor as people who are already a part of God's people. Those are my neighbors, right? Church folk. Those, those, are, the, those are my neighbors. And you guys, can I just be honest? We do this too. You say, yeah, I'm loving my neighbor. I serve in children's ministry at church. I'm loving my neighbor. I'm, I'm parenting my kids. I, I'm loving my neighbor. I, I volunteer at the soup kitchen or I donate to Compassion International. We have a sponsor kid. I'm loving my neighbor. I teach a Sunday school class. I lead a small group. That I'm loving my neighbor. Y- yes, you can. those people can be considered your neighbors too, but what about your neighbors? What about the people who are close to you, who live next to you, who sleep 40 or 50 feet away from you? What about those people? Are we loving our neighbors? Sharing happens up close and in personal or and in person. And Jesus lived this out. He didn't just come into town with a bullhorn and say, the kingdom of God is here, repent. But he, what did he do? He ate with people. He threw parties. He invited people to hang out and see what he was like. He spent a lot of time eating, so much so that he got uh, labeled as a drunkard <laughs> by some of the more conservative uh, folks in Israel. So he spent a lot of time s- with people who we would not want to associate with, hanging out with them, eating with them, drinking with them. And that was part of the way he brought the kingdom of God. Yes, announcing the good news as he went and did those things. But he spent a lot of time with people who needed forgiveness, who needed Jesus. Sharing happens up close and personal. In the book of Acts, uh, which is after Luke and then after John, uh, it's the record of the growth of the early church. The growth of the early church. Jesus begins in the book by ascending to heaven, but before he does so, in Acts chapter 1, he gives his disciples a commission. He tells them that the Holy Spirit is going to come on them, and then he tells them what they are to do once they receive power. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He starts in Jerusalem. Where are these guys currently when he says this to them? They're in Jerusalem. Actually, they're on the Mount of Olives. It's right next to the city of Jerusalem. So he's saying, start in your backyard. Start in Judea. Start in Jerusalem. Then expand outward to Judea, outward to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Before you can be missionaries to the world, you need to figure out how to be missionaries in your backyard. Proximity matters. Proximity matters. And then there's, I could show you, but in Acts 8, there's a persecution that happens, and everyone but the apostles, so all the preacher folks that we would think, like, they're the ones doing the preaching, they all stay in Jerusalem, and all the normal Christians get scattered throughout the world, and it says that everywhere they went, they shared the good news. Everywhere they went. That's how the gospel spreads in the first couple chapters of Acts, is through uh, displacement. <laughs> like, people are, have to flee for their lives, and then they just gossip the gospel to all their neighbors. They just share the good news with anybody they meet, with, their, with the people that live next to them. That's how the church grows in the early chapters of Acts. And then i got to do one more. Uh, this is in 1 Thessalonians. This came to me last night as I was uh, thinking over what I was going to say. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, which is, again, more to the right if you're looking in your Bibles, uh, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, Paul says to this group of uh, churches and these, and these people in Thessalonica, he says, we cared for you because we loved you so much. 
we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, so not only the message, but our lives as well. We delighted not to share just the good news of, of God with you, but our lives as well. You guys, sharing happens up close and personal, that we share not just the message, it's not just a drive-by sharing like, hey, by the way, Jesus loves you as we run past, repent of your sins, catch you later, right? No, this is like sitting with people, sharing your life with them, sharing your life with them and sharing the good news about Jesus. That's what we are called to. Sharing happens up close and personal. Robert Dunbar is a sociologist, so he's a man after my own heart, studied sociology, and uh, he studies friendships he says that we have a limited amount of social capital, meaning that you can only have so many friendships. You can either spread your social capital very thin and have a lot of people that you know not very well or a few very deep friendships. And he says, as he studies friendships, that on average, people have an average of five intimate friends, uh, about 50 good friends, and uh, up to 150 what they call friends. He just labels those as friends. He says there's some flexibility, but that's kind of the cap, 150. Then you can have up to 500 acquaintances, 1,500 people that we recognize by sight. So that's kind of on average the, the max for people that you can recognize, about 1,500 people on sight. And then he says the 150 layer, the people you call friends, that number, that 150, is a significant boundary. That defines people you have real reciprocal relationships with those where you feel obligations and you would willingly do favors for them. So about 150 people in your life. And for some of us, it's a little lower than that. For some of us, it's a little bit higher. Here's what I noticed. I work with teenagers, and the majority of our teenagers who grew up in the church, they fill out their 150 friends with people who don't know Jesus because they're in a public school setting or on sports teams or whatever it is. And we as parents, we go, we pray that their closest friends, their five intimate friends or their 15 really close friends are followers of Jesus. We're going to influence them. We're going to help them follow Jesus. But the majority of them fill out their, their acquaintances, their friendships with people who don't know Jesus. But they're not quite mature enough in their faith. They're not quite solid enough to be really regularly sharing with those people. They're positioned well for it but they maybe don't feel super equipped to do it. And that's kind of what we're trying to help them do as I work with teenagers. It reverses when you get into adulthood. As you have more and more options, as you have more and more control over the people that you associate with, adults in the church tend to fill their 150 friendships with members of the church. Now, the majority of us, if we have a free night, we say, hey, we got nothing going on, who should we invite over? We're thinking church people. Members of my small group, folks that I met in the lobby, friends from another church, or family members who know Jesus. The majority of our friendships are people who already know Jesus. But if we're going to share the good news up close and personal, then we need to be close to people who don't know Jesus. We have to be willing to fill some of those slots with people who do not know Jesus. Sharing happens up close and personal. So, I want to give you just a few next steps as we kind of close things down. If you're thinking, okay, I, I get it. I'm buying this. I want to. I want to believe this. Proximity matters. What do I do now? What do I do next? I'm going to give you three ideas. First of all is this. Invest in a friendship. Invest in a friendship. Some of us have friends who don't know Jesus. That's great. Actually, probably many of you do. You have friends who don't know Jesus. All I'm asking is that you hang out with them. Easy, right? So <laughs> invite them over to dinner. Have a poker night. Go camping. Uh, you know, invite them to go watch the game, whatever games are on these days. Fill out a March, Mac March Madness bracket with them. Invest in relationships with people you know who 
don't know Jesus. And like I said, that can feel like work. Especially if you're introverted, you might go like, well, I want to invite faith people over for dinner. I want to invite people I don't have to work at a relationship with. I get that. I understand that. But if we're going to share, then we need to be close with people who don't know Jesus. So invest in a friendship. I've got a friend that I made in the last year. His name is Morgan. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit about how we met. But um, I invited him over uh, to come play, a kind of a play date with, he's got a daughter, I've got a daughter. And he came over to our house and uh, we had lunch together. And then actually on Friday, we went to the library together and uh, went to the mall and the kids were running around in the play area. And I, listen, Fridays are my day off, okay? I, I could have loved to just sit at home in my pajamas and, <laughs> and read or play Frozen with my daughter, play princess dress up with my daughter. Uh, but instead, I was like, I really want to connect with I really want to connect with Morgan because I'm pretty sure Morgan doesn't know Jesus, and I'm trying to invest in that relationship. Over the next couple weeks, we're going to talk about what those conversations might look like as you spend time and you invest in friendships with people who don't know Jesus. But the first step is just start investing. Just start spending time with people who don't know Jesus. Maybe you say, okay, well, I don't really have any friends who don't know Jesus. Uh, Then this is the next step for you. Start a friendship with someone who doesn't know Jesus. Make friends. Now, for some of us, it's been a long time since we actively tried to make friends. So here's, here's the way that looks. First, it starts by recognizing that you are in a common space, that you share a common space with people who you don't know. And you think, ah, maybe that person doesn't know Jesus, or maybe, uh, maybe this could be a potential friend. So you lean in, and you start a conversation. It's good to start with, hi, my name is. <laughs> What's your name? Baby steps, people. Baby steps. Hi, my name is so-and-so, and then remember their name. That's important, okay? And to just... To in your mind say, I'm, I'm going to transfer my thinking from this, is ju- this person is just a part of the furniture in the room that I'm in doing my thing to these people around me are potential friends that God might have for me. I don't believe I'm here by accident. I don't believe they're here by accident. This, these could be potential friends that God is calling me to begin a friendship with and then to lean into a friendship. Um, I became friends with, uh, I, don't, I think he's here, but Arnold, uh, my neighbor, lives across the street because I'm outside raking my yard, and uh, he's out there raking his yard, and we did the kind of neighborly high thing, like, hey, what's up? And, uh, and that's kind of all, you know, but I decided, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do this. So I, like, put, you know, grabbed the rake and just took a step across the, the street, and he did the same, and we talked in the middle of the road for a couple of minutes, and hey, how's it going? And uh, he speaks Spanish, and I speak a little Spanish, and so we started chatting, and, and we become friends. Our, our kids hang out together. He's here. He's like a greeter, usher now. He's started to become part of our church, and um, we become friends with their, with their family. But it took that awkward moment. Same thing with Kelly across the street on the other side. It's like outside, he's always mowing the lawn, and I'm mowing the lawn with my earbuds, which is a sign, like, don't bother me, right? Uh, and so I'm mowing my lawn and turn off the lawnmower and walk over there. Hey, my name's Ryan. We just moved in. Just reaching out, having an awkward conversation. And you know what? Most people are okay. Like, they want to talk to other people. They want to meet their neighbors. That's, in, that's important. Uh, that's, that's what uh, the sheet on the back side of your notes is. It's a diagram um, of your neighborhood, of your house. And here's my challenge. If you don't have friends who don't know Jesus, my challenge is to start with your neighbors. And I would challenge you, maybe you can do it right now if you don't want to pay attention to the rest of what I'm going to say, is to see if you can write down the first and last name of all the neighbors who live around you. There's, there's eight there. Maybe your neighborhood looks a little different. Maybe you're in an apartment complex. But could you write down the first and last names of all the people who live around you? And if not, put that baby up on your fridge. And over the next couple weeks, try and learn the names of the people who live around you. Write their names into that box. And begin praying to them. Begin asking God to maybe give you opportunities to talk with them. 
to start a friendship with the people who live near you. One of the ways uh, that I'm trying to meet my neighbors is that Green Bay has this thing called uh, neighborhood associations. And uh, if you live in Green Bay, the city, uh, you can be a part of your neighborhood association. And we started one in our neighborhood, and that would be a great way, too, to look and to see if you have a neighborhood association and get connected with some of your neighbors. So you could start a friendship, and the last next step, if you're like, uh, I, don't, I don't even know if I want to do that. Like, I <laughs> want to start a friendship. Uh, here's another baby step. This is the teeny tiniest baby step, would be to become a regular somewhere. Become a regular. So every week on Wednesdays, the library has this thing called story time where bunch of moms really uh, get together <laughs> with their kids and we listen to stories that the librarian shares and sing songs and I just made it a habit like we're gonna go every Wednesday morning I work Wednesday afternoons for nights and so I said we're gonna go every week and we got to know the librarian and we got to know all the parents and I'm the, like the only dad that's there uh, except for one other guy it was Morgan uh, my friend uh, we met we were in the same space and hey you're a guy I'm a guy <laughs> we started talking and and became and became friends and that just started by being a regular uh, Ellen, our children's ministry director, our family ministry director down here, she, every time she needs to get coffee down here, she goes to the Daily Buzz. And she's trying to get to know the baristas and the people who hang out at the Daily Buzz. She's become a, a regular there. Another woman in our church says whenever she goes to Walmart, she always goes to the same checkout person. She's just trying to build a relationship. She's just trying to be a regular. She always shops at one place, always goes to the same checkout, and is starting a relationship with the people there. Become a regular because sharing happens up close and personal. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray right now that you speak by your Holy Spirit to these men and women in a way that's more specific than I can, and you prod them towards what is a next step for them. We believe that you love the people around us, and you want everyone to know you, and to know your love, to know your forgiveness, to know your healing. I pray that as we take communion now together as a church, that we're reminded of the good news, that we're nourished in our faith, and that we're empowered to share the good news with others. We ask this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said.